your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What is up, Bills Mafia? I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Make sure that you follow the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network on all the social media platforms. We are growing fast and furious every single day, seven days a week. Bills content, podcasts, all sorts of stuff, videos going up. So make sure that you follow us all over the place. And of course, on Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore. A lot of highlight videos and a heck of a lot more uh, with the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Let's talk some bills. Let's talk some NFL schedule release with really one of the best in the business. He is an NFL network analyst, a former VP of player evaluation, New York Giants, two-time Super Bowl champion, 20 years as a scout for the Eagles and the Bills as well. Scouting director, uh, just a terrific all-around football guy. He is Mark Ross on Twitter, at Mark Ross. That's at M-A-R-C-R-O-S-S. Mark, welcome. How are you, man? Yeah, sure. My pleasure. All right. We know the deal, right? The Bills, great offseason. They bring in everybody. They had a terrific draft. They've been knocking on the door. Josh Allen is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe the best player in the NFL. The hype, the expectations, we know it. And oh, by the way, to add more to it, over the weekend, uh, Allen and company are, are at a softball event uh, held by Micah Hyde at the ballpark where the Bisons play, and Allen hits a home run, of course, and he gets the MVP trophy, and he's asked about you know where that ranks, and he said, oh, this is just a placeholder for what we're going to do in February. So he's already basically indirectly you know guaranteeing a victory. They've got a tough schedule, tons of hype, tons of expectations. Can you possibly put more pressure on the Buffalo Bills? That's where I want to start with you. Well, it's what it's expected. As you mentioned, you just ran through that whole list of positives with the Bills that has been building for the past three, four years, whatever it's been. Uh, you know, they're a, a, a coin flip away last year from possibly playing in the AFC Championship game and going to the Super Bowl. You know, epic game that they played. Uh, uh, yeah, that they have to. I mean, when you win, and that's the expectations, is that it's Super Bowl or – Nothing else matters, to be honest. You know, a playoff bid won't do. AFC Championship game won't won't, won't be enough. It's they've got to do, go do it now. And their team is is stacked. <laughs> they've been battle tested in the playoffs, so they just got to do it now. So I don't think it's really hyper. They look at it as hyper expectations. It's just this is just what we have to do now. Because that's what you want, though. Still, right in the end, I mean, that's what you want in sports. I mean, if if you're a great team, you you want the hype you want the expectations you want the pressure because you want to be in those situations yeah and that's kind of i like in the bills team kind of how when i started with philly where we drafted donovan and then we built from there you know we were a bad team at the second pick and then you 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 get them in there and you build and you make a playoff okay that's not good enough now you go win a playoff game you get to the nfc championship game so and each year was was building off of that you're never able to win it with philly but uh, it's similar with the Bills, where each step of the way, okay, well, all right, that's still a good story. Now, what's the next step? And uh, so with Philly, it was, all right, you got to win it now. And that those are the expectations. And, of course, you want the you want that pressure. You don't want to be a bottom feeder and there's no pressure at all. You want to be on top and teams are looking, looking at you as, hey, that's the team to beat. Oh, man, you just brought up some memories mentioned in Don, Donovan McNabb. I'm 15 miles north of Syracuse and – 
oh, the Donovan McNabb years were amazing. I remember going to see him play so many times in the Dome and um, obviously had a, a great career. What, what a player he was. Um, Buffalo, uh, the, the way the, the, the defense is right now, I mean, it's, Mark, as you know, this defense has the potential to be the best in the league. And it's a lot of it from, you know, the players they've had, but they added pieces. They brought back some old friends. Von Miller obviously catches the headlines. How do you think they're going to use Von Miller in the defense? Well, I don't think they'll overload him, just especially since they got such depth along the front there. Hey, save Von for those playoffs in the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's when he, when he really excels. I mean, and and hey, like just don't have him do the heavy lifting. Let the let the let the uh, you know the Greg Rousseaus and the Boogie Bashams and uh, you know AJs of the world let those guys do the heavy lifting until it's it's Von uh, go do your thing and keep moments of the game and uh, especially big games and once you get to the playoffs. So because of the depth, because of the young guys that they have there, you know Von, there's nothing he's got to show and prove anymore. Man, just go in there and and make plays when we need you to play. And as you mentioned, just the whole entire defense is just top to bottom. I mean, the secondary might be the best in the league, especially with Tredavious coming back from the injury. And then I, I love drafting Kairi Elam out of Florida. Uh, I just think for him just to step in, hey, do your role. We got we got it, young guy. And everybody else, you know, do, do, you know, play like they've played and they've done that. Now here's this guy that I think has got, you know, pretty special talent to just step in and, and play his role. With Josh Allen's game, uh, is it is it close to where we were at and maybe still are with Patrick Mahomes? And I know Mahomes has the Super Bowl appearances. He's won one, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, MVP regular season, MVP in a Super Bowl. I know. But are we close to or are we there with Allen where we can ask the question, how much better can the guy get? Yeah, Max, uh, I actually talked about this a few weeks ago with on another show, like, can this guy get better? And I think he can, and I think that's his goal. You know, I don't think he's, as you mentioned, just something like the softball game. I mean, the motivation there, like, okay, this is not enough. We, And I think in his mind, he's trying to improve every day and iron out some things that I'm sure that, you know, he wishes he could do better. So, yeah, when you look at Mahomes, when you look at Allen, when you look at the greats, they're always striving to get better. And no matter if they win the MVP, win the Super Bowl, okay, what's the, how can I even improve on that? So, you know, when you're looking at Josh Allen, there's not many other quarterbacks that you, I don't think the Bills would trade anybody for him. So, you know, it's been a, a, a quick ascent for Josh from just a few years ago where he was still inconsistent and all that to now arguably the best player in the game. Mark Ross, NFL Network, our guest, of course, a former VP of Player of Val. With the Giants and a former scout uh, director, Eagles and Bills, at Mark Ross on Twitter. That's at Mark with a C, Ross, on Twitter. Um, Two-time Super Bowl champ as well. I've talked about this so many times with Jim Monis and others. Uh, when When you make a deep run and you fall short, and the Bills have done that multiple times, can you put into perspective being inside the walls of a franchise the life of both sides, you know, when you make the deep run and you win and the jubilation and the, just the rejoicing and almost the relief and oh, maybe take a breath, I guess, for a day in the NFL, right? Because it's a daily thing. But then on the other side, when you come up short, how unbelievably hard it is to hit that reset button, Mark. Yeah, you almost remember the painful losses more so than you remember the Super I won two Super Bowls and Obviously, there's no, there's no feeling like that, and it's hard to really put into words how good that feels. 
but the losses, as I mentioned, lost three NFC Championship games with the with um, the Eagles. One where we lost to the Rams on the road with underdogs, but the two where we lost at home. The last one in Veterans Stadium where we were favored, and then the, the opening of Lincoln Financial where we were favored to the Panthers. You know, first of the Bucks and the Panthers. I mean, they they just. Uh, they're still hurt. You know, I think about them now, <laughs> they, they're still painful. Yeah, yeah. But even with the Giants just losing the playoff game, we were the number one seed against the Eagles. You know, our nemesis came up there and beat us. And it, it's hard, man. You never get over it. And But the joy of winning the Super Bowl is just – you just can't even – it's just total exhilaration. But you don't even soak it in that much. As you mentioned, you're kind of just going back to, all right, now we got to go scout and draft guys and sign for agents. So – um obviously you can never take that away but the, those those painful losses almost hurt more you moved to the bills in the spring of 2004 national college scout go back in time a little bit it was 18 years ago already um what did you learn while you were a part of that franchise mark everything from your job to bills mafia to anything in between well it was they had just drafted JP Losman and we had uh, Drew Brees, uh, Drew Brees, <laughs> Drew Bledsoe was a QB. And you know, I just had come from so much winning and stability with Philly. And then I got the Buffalo, just a lot of uncertainty, you know, just um, a team that was trying to make it on the way up a little bit in between. Okay. We got this young guy to bring along or stick with the, with the vet. And so it was a lot of, uh, uh, back and forth that just wasn't a part of, but just as far as the fan bases, you know, I had worked for Philly, worked for the, for the Giants, but just the, the Bills fan base, I think, was just the most passionate that I've worked for. Whereas here in New York, you know, we've got, you know, in the New York City, rather, you guys are the real New York up there with the Giants. Um, you know, they, there's so much going on here, and it's, you know, there's passionate fans, but there's so much more going on. Even in Philly, you've got the Sixers, you got the Flyers, you got everything else. Where up at Buffalo, I, I know there's the Sabres and whatnot, but just the Bills were just such a part of the fabric of that city that I think it was just even more special than the, the fan bases in Philly and New York. So, you know, that was the biggest thing that I kind of learned just working for the Bills is just, man, it's just how ingrained that is in, the, in that city. And, and uh, the winner, I mean, I hope, I hope it does pay <laughs> off eventually that you guys get a Super Bowl up there because I, I know how much it means. Yeah, man, it would be absolutely wild. Uh, Mark Ross, NFL Network with us here, Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, uh, Pandemonium Podcast. I'm Mike Lindsley. Uh, just a couple more, Mark, and I'll let you run. I know how busy you are. Um, you were a, a, a terrific player at Princeton. I mean, you, you have five school records as a receiver and punt returner. Um, you're, a, 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 you're a Princeton all-time team guy of the Ivy League era. Uh, so you love the wide receiver position. You played it. You know what speed does in the game right now. You can never have enough of it. I got to tell you, you know, I love this Khalil Shakir pick for, from Boise State. You talk about a plug-and-play guy right into this this offense for Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen and company. Um, d- does he excite you, Mark, in, in what he could do, uh, not just this year, but he could be the clear-cut slot number one in 2023 for all we know as well, considering what Crowder and McKenzie have contractually. Yeah, and that's um, to get him in the fifth round, I think, was an, is an excellent pick for and there's some players that you watch in, in college, some especially receivers, where they just play as if they're NFL players. They know what they're doing. They've got great feel. They're good route runners. And he was one of those players that you watch, you know, independent of whatever he ran or jumped. Just when you watched him play, he looked like he knew how to play football. And I think it'll be a seamless transition for him 
to jump in there and play a role much as Gabriel Davis was when he came out. And I love Gabriel Davis. I had actually had a first round grade on Gabriel Davis when he came out. So this is not surprising to me what he's doing, but I think the similar thing where, you know, Khalil Shakir doesn't have to step in and be the number three. It doesn't have to be the number two, like play your role, learn, jump in there, make plays when called upon and then grow and develop throughout the season. So I think right there for him is excellent where he doesn't have to be the focal point, play your position, learn, and then make plays. And I think he just has that sort of mind, mindset and his game is sort of catered in that, hey, I can jump right in and be dependable. And James Cook in the second round, he should be another force in the offense right away. Yeah, and, and again, and that's what you want when you have a good team where you're drafting players that don't have to be the saviors. They don't have to step in and just, I've got to be the guy. And same thing with, with James Cook, where we know what Singletary can do, and even Zach Moss, and if Duke Johnson's around, it's just a nice rotation of backs, and that's what you're really looking for. Hey, I know what I do well. The team has a vision for what how they're going to use me. Our coordinator has a vision for how they're going to use me, and I think the Bills definitely have that when they drafted James Cook to jump in there. Hey, this is what you do well, and we're going to use you to do this and you're going to be an integral part of, of how we're running this offense. Can you still run fast? Or if I if I said 40-yard dash, what would you, what's your <laughs> no, 40 I'm, time, I'm man? I still get out there and do my inter- interval right. sprints and stuff, but I'm not putting a watch on myself. Right. I'm just trying to maintain a little beach body a little bit. Hey, by the way, before I let you run, uh, Bills-Rams week one, you think anybody will watch that game? Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Man, just the whole season, there's so many good teams yep. and there's so much excitement that's going to take place with with the season, man, I, I can't wait for it to get started. Enjoy the summer and the off time, but man, there's just so oh. many good games and so many good teams and quarterbacks and intriguing matchups and storylines that I, they'll, they'll set even more records next year with the season coming up. Boy, they sure will. Mark Ross, NFL Network, does an unbelievable job on Twitter at Mark Ross, and of course, the former VP of Player Eval for the New York Giants, a two-time Super Bowl champ, doing some scouting for 20 years as well with the Eagles and the Bills. Mark, I always love having you on. Continued success. You're a blast to watch and listen to. Keep going, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sure, buddy. Anytime, man. Appreciate it. Unbelievable interview with Mark Ross from the NFL Network. Um, I wanted to spend some time uh, in closing here uh, just kind of breaking down the schedule and some things that that jump off the page to me uh, for the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, let's be honest, uh, this is arguably, you can go head-to-head with any team in the NFL, this is arguably the hardest schedule uh, in the league. I don't think you can argue that whatsoever. I mean, this is just, um, when, you, when you're when you good, you know, when you're really good, when you're great, when you're elite, you, you, have, a, um, you have an absolute uh, behemoth of a schedule. You face all the division you know, winners in your conference, um, no matter what the rotation is, you know, with the other conference, uh, you're going to face at least a good team or two. You know, the Bills get the NFC North, but look, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, Minnesota's kind of, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a solid team. Um, they're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. Detroit and the Bears are terrible, but you got to deal with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You know, you got to deal with Minnesota, probably a fringe playoff team. So for as bad as division can be with a couple of bad teams, uh, you know, it balances out with a middle-of-the-pack club and, and a team that should really, I think, have won a Super Bowl. I don't know about multiple ones, but certainly won, uh, you know, the last several years with Aaron Rodgers. He's only been to one and won one. Um, and I normally wouldn't 
say that about a team and a player, but it's the amount of times they've knocked on the door. If you get there enough times, if you're if you're knocking on the door enough times, and that's where the Bills are right now, they're kind of in the middle of like, hey, we got to keep winning the division, we got to keep showing up, we got to keep making the playoffs, and then once you're there, let's see what happens. Which is anything could happen, we know. But if you're there enough times, and if you if you win divisions over and over again, and you get home field over and over again, you know you're doing that four, six, eight times over the course of a ten to twelve year stretch. One of those times you got to break through, right? I'm not saying every time, um, but but maybe once or twice, right? I mean, maybe reach a couple Super Bowls, you lose one, you win one, but man, um, you know, so you, you so you have tough teams, um, no matter what, whatever rotational division on the other side, and that's the case with the Bills as well. But you look at the beginning of this schedule, and there's two places in the schedule where I think we're going to really see what the Bills are made of, and it's right out of the shoe until the bye week. Right, I mean the seven, the week seven bye week almost comes at too perfect of a time because the Bills will have two weeks to prepare for Green Bay on Sunday Night Football, which by the way is one of five primetime games, and I almost, I almost look at it as six primetime games because Detroit on Thanksgiving, I, I look at Thanksgiving as a primetime day for the NFL. I know there's you know college basketball feast week and all that stuff, but nothing touches the NFL and touches the NFL uh, ratings, and we certainly know that on Thanksgiving, that's what we do. We stuff our faces. We've got the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and gravy and all the rest. Thanksgiving is by far and away my favorite holiday because the food I eat until I'm packed. And then I usually eat later on with, you know, heating up the turkey and the, you know, maybe a little bread with a turkey sandwich, some gravy, throw in some stuffing in there, whatever's left. Um, So I consider Detroit 1230 almost as kind of like a quasi primetime game. But those first six games for the Buffalo Bills are absolutely brutal. Uh, you've got at Rams to start things off on Thursday Night Football, NBC, 40 million at least viewers will probably be watching that game. Then you have Tennessee at home, but it's a Monday Night Football game. And so you got to fly across the country. Now, the good part for the Bills is they will get done with the game in L.A. around 9 p.m. West Coast time. If they fly out right away, they can get back in the morning, you know, with pretty much close to a red eye by like, I don't know, five o'clock or so, four or five o'clock in the morning um, the next day, um, maybe even, well, maybe even six or seven, I guess. Um, and at that point, you know, you rest and relax and then you maybe get back to it, you know, Saturday, Sunday in preparation. You have that extra day because it's Monday night football. I guess that's the only solace in this thing. But you have the Titans on Monday Night Football and a lot of revenge there for the Bills because of last year and how that game ended. The Bills had a great opportunity to win it. We know Josh Allen slipped on the one-yard line. Deion Dawkins got blown up. And, um, you know, look, if they win that game, uh, they have home field advantage, you know, throughout. Um, You know, the Jaguars lost, be damned. If they win against the Titans and that head-to-head and all that, uh, they have home field. Uh, then they have to go at Miami, and I say that's a brutal game because you have to deal with Tyreek Hill, and it's a road game. Um, you know the Bills, if they're going to have success this year, I think they got to go five and one in the division at worst. And I'm looking at the Jets and the Patriots to sweep them, and then the Dolphins. You want at least a split. Could the Bills sweep the division again? They could. You know they've gone eleven and one the last two years, six and zero and five and one respectively. Um, you know they got to win that game. You know in week three. Um, then they go at Baltimore. Just a brutal, brutal game. You know, Baltimore is a great home venue. I've seen games at M&T Bank Stadium. It is a, it's so loud there. Got to deal with Lamar. 
Baltimore had a good draft. Uh, I think they're going to be in the running for a lot of things uh, this year, including a division championship. Then you go home, you got to face Pittsburgh. Revenge on the line again because you lost to Pittsburgh last uh, year uh, in week one. Uh, it didn't set any kind of a tone, really, but I think people were worried after week one because of how many eggs were put in that proverbial basket. Um, you know, and you got to deal with T.J. Watt. And then after all of that, you have to go at Arrowhead for a 425 start on CBS. That'll be Nance and Romo. Good grief. I mean, you know, the house of horrors is Arrowhead Stadium, no question. The Bills beat them, the Chiefs, last year um, in the regular season. That's nice, but, you know, we need to see this team win in the postseason. Um, obviously, the Bills will have some revenge there if they win this game. It still won't erase 13 seconds, but Chiefs-Bills is becoming one of the if not the premier matchup in all of the NFL. And so that's the first six games. That's it. You know, eh, eh, no big deal. At Rams, Titans, at Dolphins, at Ravens, home for the Steelers, and then at the Kansas City Chiefs, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Then you have the bye week. Then you have Green Bay. I mean, right out of the chute, you have another Super Bowl contender on Sunday Night Football, NBC, Tariko and Collinsworth. And uh, you, you really could make the argument that you don't have a break in the schedule. And again, break, how do you define break in the NFL? Because it's still a division team. Uh, we'll know a lot about the Jets halfway through as well. At New York, you know, playing the Jets on November 6th. Um, you know, is that a break? Is it a slight break? I mean, define break. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, <laughs> you're still going on the road. Maybe if you know, the Jets, if some of their guys perform right out of the shoot, like Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson and Sauce Gardner, uh, the Jets could be better than what I think. Yeah, I think they'll be about a three or four win team, but maybe they're better than that. You know, maybe they pull off a couple. They have a very weird schedule, by the way. The first four games of their schedule, it's against entirely the AFC North. It's wild. I don't. I mean, I'm sure it's happened at least once before, but I can't remember when. Um, but they play the four AFC North teams right out of the chute to start the year. That's very, very odd. You know, then you got the Vikings at home. Uh, that should be a winnable game for the Bills. But again, it's not a guarantee. Uh, it's a tough enough game. Then you got Cleveland at home with who knows if Deshaun Watson will be in there. You got to deal with a great ground game. Um, you know, you've got Amari Cooper there now. You have Miles Garrett to deal with. Then you go at Detroit on Thanksgiving. I guess that's the next break in the schedule, right? At New England, Jets at home, Dolphins at home. So that's the second, this is the second part of the schedule where I think we're going to, you know, not only learn about the Bills, but we're going to have to see if this team can, you know, just pile up a bunch of wins. Because I'm not the guy, I used to do it for fun, but it's just a waste of time now, and I just I, I just don't have enough time to, to do it, to go through and be, oh, that's a win, that's a loss. It, that's one reason. And the other reason is it's just stupid because injuries and different things happen during the regular season. I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not going to mark a win or a loss for the Bills on November 20th against Cleveland when right now we have no idea what will happen in the previous nine games and we have no idea if Deshaun Watson will be in there. We have no idea if the Bills will have significant injuries. We have no idea what's going to happen. It's a week-to-week -week league. We know that. Um, but I'm looking at just, I guess, if, if you look at the whole big picture, the first six games of the year, I think the best case scenario for the Bills 
I think it's going to be hard to win. I mean, they could win five. They could win all six if it's a crazy, crazy uh, performance, uh, you know, in the first six games. But I'm looking at, because of how many road games and how many quality teams in there, I mean, you have probably two or even three Super Bowl contenders in that group. Um, I'm looking at four and two. If the Bills can come out of there four and two, and I don't care who they win, although actually I do, you have to beat the Dolphins and you have to beat the Steelers at home. Those are two games that you have to have. And then from there, you know, you've got Ravens, Chiefs, Titans, and Rams. If you can go two and two against those teams and end up four and two with the bye week, Green Bay at home, then you've got a stretch where you can really pile the wins together. You get through that up until the at Cincinnati game on, again, another primetime game, Monday Night Football, January 2nd, you've got an opportunity at that particular point. Let's say they go 4-2, and two, they're prepared, two weeks uh, to prepare for the Packers, and they beat the Packers. Let's just say they're 5-2 and two going into at Jets. They got at Jets, they got Minnesota, Cleveland at home, home, at Detroit, at New England, Jets at home, Dolphins at home, at the Bears. In those 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 games, now, maybe the Bills can go seven and one at that point. And if you're five and two and you go seven and one, do the math. You know, that's 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 twelve and three. With the last two games, Bengals and Patriots, hypothetically speaking, you lose to Cincinnati, you beat New England, you're 13 and four. That may get it done for home field advantage. So to me, and I know coaches and players don't think of it this way, they look at each and every week like its own championship game. Um, you know, hey, we're focused on this week's opponent. We're focused on, you know, the Packers or the Lions or the Pats or the Jets. But but if you look at the overall landscape of it, I think it would be absolutely huge if the Bills can start 4-2 and two, somehow, some way, go into the bye week with that record, rest up, give it your all against Green Bay, and then go on a major run against some significantly weaker opponents. And I think it's possible for the Bills to do that. I think it's very possible. This team is obviously locked and loaded. This team has Super Bowl aspirations. They've been knocking on the door. There's not much that I can say that hasn't already been said in terms of the hype, the expectations, the success that they've had. 13 seconds still bugging everybody, including me. I think about it every day. <laughs> you know, um, There is just no reason for that. McDermott should have put the right defense out there. Um, I cannot still believe that they were using a prevent defense to the boundaries with, with you know, not great corners and, you know, Kelsey, Mahomes, and Hill and the Chiefs with two timeout. I just cannot still believe that McDermott didn't put the right defense out there or override Leslie Frazier, that you can say whatever you want about the kickoff out of the end zone, um, you know, but you, 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 you kick that ball out of the end zone for as much as you might hate it, it does prevent one thing, and that's a return, right? And so you can you can cry about that all you want. Uh, you can cry about the overtime rule that was in place then, not now, in terms of just, you know, coin toss, boom, you win the toss, you score a TD, you win. Uh, now each team gets a possession okay. And by the way, I think we're going to see a lot more deferring of the football uh, in overtime because of that rule. But you know what? You cry all you want about the rule, okay? Go stop somebody. <laughs> go stop somebody with 13 seconds to go. I, it's just those types of things right now still, and I like Sean McDermott. We know about the culture. We know what they've built, him and Brandon Bean. We know that they've won the division. Uh, 
you know, we know that they broke through and broke the drought and, and, and just this whole thing has been a, a steady incline, you know, for the last four years or so, um, you know, drafting Josh Allen, making major trades, getting Stefan Diggs, active in free agency. Buffalo has become a destination for players. Um, but man, I got to tell you, like McDermott worries me. He really does. Um, I'm still not 100% all the way in on Sean McDermott. This is still a guy who gave Nathan Peterman the starting quarterback reins. This is still a guy who last year tried to shove the ground game down the throat of Brian Dable when you didn't have downfield blocking, you didn't have a healthy offensive line, you didn't have the running backs performing like they did late in the year, namely Devin Singletary. So this is a, I don't know, McDermott right now to me, if, if I was asked to pick a weak link of this football team, I would pick Sean McDermott. I really would. I really would. And I'm hoping that he learns from 13 seconds, but you cannot make that mistake again as a head coach. With the roster you have, with the quarterback you have, with the window you have, you cannot do it. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm Mike Lindsley, your host, and as I always tell you, enjoy the games. (laughs) 